0: This is Rod Genders and you're listening to the Estate Planner Podcast, a weekly broadcast of discussions regarding wills and estate planning, probate and estate administration, trusts and guardianship, inheritance claims and contested estates. Hi folks, I'm Rod Genders. Uh, I'm a senior Australian lawyer specialising in wills and estates and today I'm talking with Cheryl Cox, mortgage broker with Aussie. Good afternoon Cheryl. Hi Rod. Now Cheryl, uh, today we're going to be talking about transitioning to aged care. This is uh, somewhat of a growth area for me and my work in wills and estates and uh, many of us have an elderly relative who needs to transition to a retirement village uh, the very typical scenario is that they need to sell their current property uh, but they need to finance the new purchase out of the proceeds of sale of the old property. And they're then in, in a position where they need to move out of the old property first so it can be renovated. Often it needs updating to, uh, to bring it up to date with uh, modern trends, uh, lick of paint, that sort of thing. And one option that uh, exists nowadays is, I think, something called a relocation loan. Uh, what what are these and how do they work?
1: Yes, yeah, so relocation loans are something that are not necessarily common across all lenders, um, but something that a couple of lenders in particular specialize in I suppose and it's a type of finance that can be used if a purchaser is entering into a contract to purchase a new property but they're actually relying on the proceeds of the sale of the existing Mm -hmm. property at a later date. So what the uh, lender is able to do under these loans is to actually lend the client the funds that they need to purchase that new property using one or both of the properties as the security um, for the loan and so then once their existing owner occupied home is sold they're able to then access the funds from that sale to either pay down the loan in full or reduce it as much as possible to what would then be their residual mortgage.
0: So So are you saying it's a form of bridging finance?
1: I guess for want of a better word, yes, um, it could be used as a bridging finance.
0: Okay, and so the equity in both properties is then available to secure the uh, the loan for purchase of the new property?
1: Yes, that's right. Uh,
0: very good. So in that fashion, uh, people who would otherwise not be able to afford to buy into the new Uh, accommodation uh, the retirement village or the nursing home uh, because they haven't yet received the proceeds of sale of the existing dwelling this gives them some wiggle room uh, to, to basically bring the old place up to standard and get it onto the market in a good and proper state so that they're going to get a good sale in a good time. Is that pretty much the gist of it?
1: Yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it, yes. So it allows them the flexibility to be able to do that sort of thing.
0: And I'm uh, given to understand that uh, this type of loan is specifically a short-term scenario. Is that right? Yes.
1: Yes. Yes, it's a short-term scenario. Yes, definitely.
0: So, so six to 12 months or something of that nature.
1: Yeah, the the lender will typically put a six-month time frame on it. They possibly will allow an extension up to 12 months. They like it to be six months, um, by which time the current owner-occupied property is sold.
0: Okay. And uh, I'm given to understand also that there are uh, some lenders are willing to allow capitalisation of the... uh, of the loan repayments. Is is that some is that what you understand to be
1: yes yeah my understanding is yeah along those lines that they don't uh they don't require any repayments to be made during the time of this whole process happening Um, but of course the interest is accruing over the period of time so when the property is sold then that uh, capitalized interest is then paid um, at the time of paying down any of the funds that are available from the sale of the owner-occupied property
0: So again, this is particularly good news for older people who are no longer uh, working and might not otherwise be able to service a loan and and pay off monthly interest because they might be on a fixed income or a pension or something of that nature. And so they don't have to come up with any additional funds on a monthly basis. Uh, The interest on the short-term loan will be payable or repayable. Uh, at the end of the loan agreement, is that? Yes, yes,
1: that's the gist. Yes, yeah. That, yeah, that's
0: right. So both income and capital are all repaid at the end, uh, and uh, one would hope uh, typically in the usual case that uh, the uh, the old property has been renovated and sold and out of the proceeds of sale, the loan, both capital and interest are repaid, and then what's uh, left can be put towards the uh, uh, purchase of the uh, of the new dwelling or the new new accommodation.
1: Yes, that's right. Yes.
0: Excellent. So, uh, from that perspective, what sort of um, uh, information would typically be required from a, uh, a lending institution that you might uh, be negotiating with on their behalf?
1: Uh, Look, the typical type of documentation that a lender will want um, are your, I suppose, obvious things like identification, those sorts of things that the clients will need. Um, But further to that, their statement of position, I suppose, is what you could use as a a summary. So things like the bank statements for any current mortgages on the property, Um, they'll want the most recent ones, typically the last six months they'll look for. Um, They'll also want any current statements of any other liability that may be in existence at the time. So if they've got credit cards, they'd need the last three months' credit cards. Any personal loans or car loans, they'd need the last six months of those. And, and um, customers do need to be aware too that if they have things like Afterpay that they've set up for purchases or ZipPay or any of those new, I guess, modern ways of having a, a lay-by uh, that used to be in the old days, um, then they're going to need statements for those types of things. So the lender's going to want to see all of the evidence of any existing debts they'll also want to see um, any savings uh, and any assets that the uh, clients may have so the customers going to need to be able to get all of those sorts of documents together um, and present them as part of the application
0: right okay well that sounds pretty standard and and straightforward to pretty much what you'd expect when approaching a, a lending institution
1: yeah that's right
0: and uh, just a little uh, little point uh, with respect to discharging of existing mortgages. Yes. I've uh, just encountered this uh, myself in my work, and uh, it uh, isn't perhaps uh, well known yet in the wider community that um, discharges of mortgages used to be very commonly done by way of uh, the the lending institution that held the uh, the the title and the mortgage. Uh, would uh, prepare the paperwork and then just hand over the paper discharge of mortgage uh, which could then be lodged in series with uh, the new mortgage or, or any other loan uh, by the uh, the incoming lender and yeah. uh, in South Australia and increasingly in other states as well uh, you no longer can lodge paper discharges of mortgage it's all got to be done electronically And so that's a new wrinkle that people might not have come across yet and so when discharging the old mortgage, uh, it's got to be done electronically, it can't be done in paper anymore.
1: Yes, that is something that the the lenders will typically manage for you. So certainly like when I'm doing discharges for customers, I will still get the old paper discharge form. We still use those with all of the lenders. Customers need to sign them, um, complete them. Then I send them into the lender and the lender then will liaise with the incoming lender. And you're right, they will do that process electronically via a system called PEXA. So the majority of settlements now in south australia are done as pexa settlements they're not done as paper settlements Um, but certainly from a a broker's point of view and a lender's point of view we still at this point in time anyway do need the signed um, old discharge form to be able to send through for the lender to start that process
0: very good now uh my understanding of, uh, of your role is that uh, you have access to and liaise with numerous lending institutions, so it's not just Aussie itself as a lending institution, but you are a broker that can, if you like, uh, field the market and find out what else is uh, available from other lenders. Is, is that a fair summation?
1: yes that's correct yes i deal with 21 lenders at the moment so the big four plus a whole bunch of others uh, and a couple of the lenders that i deal with are what you call non-conforming lenders which means they can do things that are a little bit out of the box that That the mainstream lenders can't do and an example of that would be if we've got a client that let's say is a discharged bankrupt or perhaps somebody that has a lot of credit inquiries on their credit file perhaps even some court judgments or defaults things like that we can take them to a non-conforming lender who under certain circumstances will actually still be able to offer them finance
0: and would you say that comparing home loans is a good idea
1: absolutely most definitely once you're existing what the banks call existing money uh, then you no longer get the best rates offered so it is a very very good idea to be looking at your mortgage at least every two years now you may not move every two years but it's an absolutely wonderful idea to be checking every two years as to what's available and what might be uh, something better for you than what you're currently with
0: it's almost counterintuitive, isn't it, that you'd, uh, you'd think that if you were loyal with a, a lending institution over many years or decades that you'd expect that loyalty to be rewarded with perhaps uh, some discount or, or some sort of benefit, but uh, you're actually saying it's really the opposite
1: absolutely yes it is absolutely the opposite unlike uh, the world of retail you know where you'll get uh, you'll get rewarded for your five cups of coffee and then you'll get your six one free or whatever it might be um, in the world of finance it is completely opposite um, loyalty does not account for anything really to be quite honest um, what you need to be is new money and then you'll get the best offers
0: so uh, you need someone like you to find out what's out there in the market and then uh you can uh, field the inquiries and uh, and give the advice to the uh, to the borrower and you're acting on behalf
1: of the borrower, aren't you? That's right. I'm working for the borrower, not for the bank. So from my perspective, yeah, I'm not interested in, you know, which bank's got which U Butte special on this month. What I'm interested in is what's going to be the best deal long-term for the customer uh, because the customer is my customer, not, not the bank.
0: And I understand that your uh, clients and customers, uh, uh, you uh, you provide them with uh, uh, some form of checklist to assist them to maximise success of their loan applications?
1: Yes, that's correct. Yes, we've, I've got a checklist that I use so that they understand what it is that they're going to need to put together, because there is quite a bit of documentation, so it's a good idea for them to know what they're going to be in for before they lodge that application.
0: And can you give us a bit of an idea of what's in that checklist, just as an overview?
1: Uh, Yes, Uh, so in that checklist I'll go through with them the documents that they'll need, um, the time periods of those documents that they will need and I've also just recently started to add to my checklist some little hints and tips I suppose of what the borrowers can be uh, prepared for. So things like the banks will now actually go through their bank statements line by line looking at their living expenses for the month. So I inform my customers of that upfront, and tell them, look, go and get your bank statements for the last three months and sit down and go through them line by line so that you can be prepared for the living expenses that the bank's going to want to explore. Um. So just little things like that that as a broker I'm aware of what it is that the lenders are going to look for and the policies with the lenders do change on a very regular basis at the moment they're changing weekly so you know what we could do four weeks ago with the bank uh, we can't do today um, and things just continue to change in the world of finance so for all of those little tidbits that I pick up along the way I share that with my customers so that I can put them in the best place of being successful with their applications
0: that's excellent advice thanks Cheryl now how can uh, uh, people who want to make an inquiry with you get in contact with you
1: Well, they can either contact me on my mobile via a voice message or an SMS, which is 0477 184049, or they can contact me via email, Um, and my email address is Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L, dot Cox, C-O-C-K-S, at Aussie.com.au, or they might even want to Google me and find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Any way that they can contact me is, is fine by me.
0: Excellent advice. Thank you very much, Cheryl Cox from Aussie. And uh, this has been Transitioning to Aged Care with Rod Genders from Genders and Partners Solicitors in Adelaide. Thanks for listening. This has been another Estate Planner podcast from Genders and Partners Solicitors in Adelaide, South Australia. We hope you've enjoyed it and invite you to check out our website at www.genders.com.au. Thanks for listening.